0: Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of speech, the need for us to communicate in a way that brings life to people. And, you know, this is, a, this is an interesting subject because communication, I don't know about for you, but for me, eh, eh, communication's a little tricky. Like, I'm, I'm good with a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff the Bible says. You know, I'm good, like, until you, you have to do this thing called people, like peopling. Like, people, peoples would mess me up. I don't mess me up. People mess me up. Uh, people are interesting there's, there's just certain people that they have this way of thinking, you know, like that my mind just doesn't and, and communication always is a little bit weird and you're like saying stuff. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been like talking to someone and I'm like, I know that none of what I'm saying is like registering. Like they're not, like I'll ask somebody a question and they'll talk about something completely different. So communication's a little tricky. Uh, But I do love people, people that I love. I I love my mother. My mom's amazing. Single mom, raising four boys, enough said, right? Uh, You know, it was Mother's Day not too long ago, and it was great because I got to give her, in her own words, the best Mother's Day gift she could ever get, which was graduating uh, college. Got my bachelor's, yeah, you guys, thank you, thank you. Uh, She was so excited. Um, It was great because it was a gift that none of my brothers could replicate because, You know they didn't, uh, and they're older. (laughs) She's awesome. She's amazing. I love my mom. Uh, If it weren't for my mom, I would have to work more. Uh, But communication with my (laughs) all the moms laugh. (laughs) Communication with my mom has always been tricky. It's it's just weird. Like she just thinks in this way that I don't, and like I also can't understand. And that's where it gets me. Like my, my my brain tries to figure her out, but it can't. Like, the other day, I get home from church, and I go, hey, ma, I'm just coming and going. I had to get something. I'm going to leave right now. And as a mother would completely expect that, she goes, well, where are you going? Ruben, where are you going? We're good. I go, oh, I'm going to the, to the new mall. I got to emphasize that. New mall. Brand new mall. Old. Not, not the old mall. Not the Staten Island Mall, those words don't come out of my mouth. I say the new, nuevo, new, you know she's, English is in her first language, new mall. I'm emphasizing this for you guys and you'll see why. Because it was the new mall is what I said. And her response was is, oh you're going all the way to the mall? And immediately I knew she thinks I'm going to the one that's really far from the house. She goes, by yourself? Here's the thing with that question, she opened the door for me, and she saw me get out of a car with people, people in it, but I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe she wasn't paying attention, maybe she just opened the door, or whatever, I'm not thinking more about that, at that point, I'm a little distracted with the, no, I said new mall, man, so I go, ma, no, I'm, I'm going to Empire Outlets, the new, the new mall, and she goes, oh, whose car are you driving, So now this just confuses me because I'm like, wait, 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 I thought maybe she didn't see me get out of a car, but she did see me get out of a car because she knows there's a car outside, and if she knows there's a car outside, she had to have seen that Dairon and Melinda were in the car. Dairon, Melinda, Leora, Violet, that's a lot of people. You could not have not seen people. I'm just kind of like, where are we going here? And on top of that, like, people are waiting for me. I got to go, and she wants to play 21 questions, and like, and all the wrong questions. This is a two-question dilemma, like, Hey, where are you going? Oh, the mall. Oh, which mall? Oh, okay. Who are you going? How are you getting there? And I would have said, oh, Darren and Melinda are dropping me off. But no, she turns it into this prolonged thing because of the way that her mind works. She said, oh, so, so she says, whose car are you driving? I'm just like, all right, all right, um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do the best I can. I say, ma, I'm not driving anybody's car. First of all, who would let me, right? Anyway, I'm not (laughs) driving anybody's car. And here, here's where, where I start to like, I was a little irritated, but here's where it starts coming out. She's like, oh, then you're, because a normal person would say, oh, so then who's taking you? Because there's a car outside and it's waiting for you. It's on, so I would assume, right? Like that's logic to me. For my mom, her response is, oh, so you're taking the bus? Why would they be waiting? I go, no, ma, ma. Dyron and Melinda dropped me off so I could drop some stuff off here, and I gotta get something. They are now gonna drop me off at the new mall. They're, they're taking me. And then she's like, oh, they're going to the mall with you. I said, no, ma, they're dropping me off. <laughs> and that's our conversation. I'm like, I get out of it, I think I'm good, I'm chilling, right? I'm like, you did good, you did okay. Speech, right? Communication, I get, I get my things. And right, right, right before I walk out the door, uh, I go, Ma, I always, every time I leave the door, I go, Ma, I love you, I'm leaving. Ma, I love you, I'm leaving. I go, Ma, I'm leaving, I love you. She responds, where are you going? <laughs> to which I say, the outlets, Ma, the outlets. And then I begin to feel guilty for her for yelling at my mother, I'm just like, the outlets. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is the communication between my mother and I, needs to change. It's not the best. Uh, she asks questions, but really she asks, she guesses answers to her own questions. I'm like, if you would just ask the question, you are going to the mall? You going, wait, that's your car that you're taking? Who's I'm like, just, just, just ask the question. And the communication structure between my mother has always been uh, uh, a little, a little weird. Um, She let me make decisions as a kid that I'm like, why would you? We get into these little discussions every now and then. Like, in elementary school, I was going to a public school, and they said, hold your applause, because, I mean, it's pretty impressive. They said in elementary school, I was ahead of my grade. They said, (laughs) (laughs) they said, your boy was too smart for this curriculum. He needs a more challenging... And my mom was all for it, but when she spoke to me, I was like, no, because if I go to a, a more advanced school, I'm gonna have to wear uniforms. I don't wanna wear uniforms. Ruben in first grade did not wanna wear uniforms. And she, I guess, thought that was a sufficient reason because she let me stay in that school. I'm like, why would you let me make any decisions for myself as a kid? I'm fully incapable of doing that. Like, I am, what I care about is uniforms. Really, I don't know that I'm gonna need to be going to these schools so I can get scholarships later. I have to pay for college now because you let me stay in elementary school how'd you do that? And then this happens with with Spanish because every now and then I'm like, oh man, it would have been great to speak Spanish. I go, Ma, why you never taught me Spanish? And she goes, I did teach you Spanish, Ruben, but then you told me to stop. I was like, what? She goes, you were fluent. You believe I was fluent in Spanish? (laughs) Exactly. If she had taught me, I might have rhythm too. But Ruben, at some point, started going to school, he said, Ma, all the kids speak English, found out nobody's bilingual there, um, so I'm good, I'm gonna, be at Eng- I'm gonna stay English. And she thought that was, that was good, and she, she was like, you didn't want to learn, so I just, like, all right, fine, you didn't speak English. You'll learn for yourself. I'm like, you don't let a four-year-old learn for himself, ma. And it would've been great because, you know, I would've, I would've been a bilingual person. Like, could you imagine being able to speak two languages? No, you don't have to imagine, because most of you guys do. Some of you guys speak three languages, whatever, Sheila. Egyptian. Who learns Egyptian? (laughs) Arabic. See, I'm not that fluent in anything. I know English. Um, And so I'm just like, it would have been cool because if I was bilingual, I would be able to speak two languages. That's two different layers of communication. And communication is such a powerful thing. And and that's what we're going to be getting into. See, some background information Before we dive into the main text for today, it can be assumed that whenever an author of a letter, whenever there's a letter in the Bible, it can be assumed that whatever is talked about in the letter is being talked about because there was an issue going on. Like it's rarely that the author, so in this case James, it wouldn't be expected that James was like, yo guys, I just came up with some cool insight on speech. So I wanted to share it with you guys. Usually if he's writing a letter about something like speech it's because they're, they're speaking poorly. And so usually a letter is addressing something that's happening that shouldn't be happening or something that's not happening that should be happening. And so the recipients of this letter, it's safe to assume that they weren't talking so nicely to each other. They were like a group of Cardi B's just talking trash all day. And I want us to have that lens as we as we read, uh, because I, I think it frames the context and it, under, it, it, it puts better into perspective of why James is writing. He's not writing just to write, he's writing because there's an issue going on in the, amidst the community of people that he's writing to. And I'm also gonna be doing something different, usually we read the scripture through and through, but the thing about James is I noticed that James writes letters like Kanye tweets It's just like it seems like a whole bunch of disconnected thoughts, but then you're like, oh, that that actually goes together. Like he he's gonna open up. You'll see he he opens up talking about teachers, and then immediately the next sentence, it seems like he's talking about the mouth, and it's like, whoa, where did that come from? So, I want to kind of break the text up and just make sure we follow along and connect the dots as we go. So we can start right in in James chapter three, verse one. We're gonna be covering verses one through twelve. He says, dear brothers and sisters. Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we know, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. And what he's doing is he's setting the standard because he's a teacher. So right before he begins, it's as if I came up here and I said, hey guys, know that as a preacher, the standard is higher. And so the weight of what I'm about to say actually falls on me harder than, than anyone else. And you see that because He transitions from talking about teachers. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. So he goes from teachers to all of us make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. He says, you know what the key to perfection is? He's he's addressing this because I think they had an issue with speech. He goes, if you could control your speech, you would be perfect. We all make mistakes, but if you can control what you say, you found the key to perfection. If you can control what you say, <clears throat> you can control your entire being, control ourselves in every other way. And I think that's crazy. I'm like, James, you crazy. But then he goes into metaphors on, onto what he's saying, and he says, see, uh, he, he goes into some metaphors. He says, we put into the mouth a bit of a horse, to make it obey us. And we are able to make it go where we want. And a small rudder makes a huge ship, then wherever, a a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, and now he comes back to the tongue. In the same way the tongue is a small thing, that makes grand speeches, and it continues. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. And it's crazy because I don't think James knew how right he was because there wasn't all this psychological studies that have, been, that have taken place to what, they've, that, to what we have now. And there's so much research that backs this up. Do you know how many people go to counseling to find out that what they deal with, the insecurities that they have, have to do with something that someone told them when they were a kid? A word spoken over them as they grew up, not even by adults, but even teenagers. High school can be such a tumultuous time because people are putting labels on you and you don't even realize. I I think it's crazy because James is so right about the power of the word. There's another another, uh, translation that says, "It, it sets on fire the entire course of our existence. The entire course. And now James, is. it's interesting because James, I would expect, he's, he's writing to address their issue, but it seems as if he's saying, hey, we we all in the club. He's not saying, you guys, your tongue is doing this. You're, no, he's saying, the tongue, period. And it seems as if he's painting an issue with humanity. And in fact, he goes on to say that, that basically that humans can control, he says, people can tame. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so now James has transitioned as we're reading, oh, this is a human issue. Man, we've been able to, and it seems, it feels like James is like this, just laying it out like, hey man, don't be a teacher because we, we got it tough. This is, this is a human thing, man. The power of the tongue is so crazy. We've been able to tame everything. But you know what we can't tame? We can't tame the tongue. And it seems like he's leveling with them. And I'm, I'm with James for a while. He, he even goes on to say about the hypocrisy of the tongue. He says, he says, we use it to give thanks to our Lord and Father and also to curse other people who are created in the likeness of God. Words of thanksgiving and cursing pour out from the same mouth. And as I read this, I was just like, just so sobered. Like, man. Because it's still true to this day. So I I pause here and I'm just like, you know what, James, you're you're so right. and I, at first, I'm thinking, like, James is with us. Like, yeah, James, you get it. That tongue, friggin' tongue. It's the tongue's fault. I would be perfect if it wasn't for this thing in my mouth always being reckless, this fire. But then he goes on to say, he goes, surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Another translation says, my friends, this should not happen. And I feel like James flips the whole thing. And, like, he goes all Judas on us. I'm like, yo, James, I thought your tongue was crazy like my tongue. But, no, what happens is is he's saying, no, 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 this is the current state of the tongue. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is destructive. The tongue does praise God and curse people. But that's not what should be happening. See, James is writing way after Jesus. And, And what I love is that he uses this idea of how we ought to relate to God and people because... to to blow this whole thing up, because Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, says, love God with all our hearts. And then immediately says, and the other is just like it. Love people the way you love yourself. The two go hand in hand. Wherever you see people loving God, you should see people loving people, but that's not what's happening. So James says, but that's not what's happening. What's happening is people are loving God, and they're cursing people. That's, what, that's been the case. And so when he's writing to them, he's saying, hey, you know what we're doing? We're loving God, but we're cursing people. And that shouldn't be the status. And then he gets to what I think is the heart of this message. He says, no spring of water pours out sweet water and bitter water from the same opening." A fig tree, my friends, cannot bear olives. A grapevine cannot bear figs. Nor can a salty spring produce sweet water. Nor can a salty spring produce sweet water. This guy went from what I thought was venting to calling. He's indirectly saying, y'all salty. (laughs) My title of today's message is Stop Being so salty. And I know there's people in, in here, specifically Javi, because he already said it when I told him the title. But Jesus said to be the salt of the earth. That's a different salt. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole different salt. Stop being so salty. James is saying, here's the current state, we are dual natured beings, we praise God, we curse people, and I've been there. I've done things as a leader that as, as a leader, I was shocked to even realize I was capable of doing. But but James alludes to something that I think is interesting in his metaphors. See, he he starts talking about producing things. He he transitions from from talking about the rudder to talking about what you produce. And the key to production is the source. See, he says the spring doesn't produce based on what it's not. If it's a salty spring, it doesn't produce sweet water. If it's a sweet spring, it's, it's at the start and what's cool is in all his metaphors, the tongue is the mediator between the person and the result, right? He says, we control a horse with a bit and make it go wherever we want. But who controls the heart, the, the horse? Us. He says, uh, uh, a rudder can control a ship. But who controls the rudder? The pilot. Us. <laughs> the Bible says pilot, so I'm going to say pilot. It controls we, And so we got to start at the source. And all this talk about producing fruit makes me think of Jesus. See, because Jesus, whenever he would get into these debates with the Pharisees, the Pharisees were constantly being challenged by Jesus and you would always see these back and forths. And in the midst of one of these back and forths with the Pharisees, in Matthew 12, 33 through 34, he says this. Jesus says, to have good fruit, You must have a healthy tree. If you have a poor tree, you will have bad fruit. A tree is known by the kind of fruit it bears. You snakes. He's talking to the Pharisees. How can you say good things when you are evil? And this is is what I want to hone in on. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I think this changes the view of James, right? Like I think we can read James with a different perspective now because James is talking about the mouth, but he's talking about it way after Jesus. And I think this puts it into perspective that it's really less about how we speak and more about our heart. Jesus says, hey, it's not so much about the fruit, it's about the tree. Really, the mouth just produces the condition of the heart. See, a healthy tree means healthy fruit. And James says it uh, the, the same thing, but I think in a different way. He says, if the spring is salty, so is the water. But if the spring is sweet, then the water is too. And so because the mouth speaks what our hearts are filled with, the tongue, the way that we're speaking is just a reflection of what we're feeling in here. And he, he, James talks about this later in chapter 3. Ne- next, next week, we're going to be covering uh, verses 13 and on of chapter 3. And James talks about wisdom. But in that, he says this. He says, where there is jealousy and selfishness, there is disorder of every kind. If you have a heart filled with jealousy and selfishness, you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. If you find disorder and evil, you can usually trace that back to someone with, with some things in their heart. And then he closes off the, the chapter by saying "The goodness that goodness is the harvest produced from the seeds peacemakers plant in peace. Goodness is a harvest of the seeds we sow. And then here's Jesus saying that our mouth speaks with our, what our heart is full of. And I want to ask you guys a question that I, I've been asking myself since preparing this message. It's two questions, really. What are, your, what are you filling your hearts with? What, what seeds are you planting? Because we're talking about speech but really, speech, like every other behavior, is a byproduct of. And I can't help but read James and say, man, I've allowed my spring to become salty because of what I filled my life with. But I love that James says there's a hope. James says this shouldn't be the case, that we're praising God and cursing people. We, it shouldn't be. And I look at my heart and I say, God, like, yeah. How did I get here? And sometimes it just kind of feels too late, right? Like, here's the thing. Our hearts are filled with so much toxicity by the time we become adults that it almost feels like it's too late. Because before I even realized how bad a relationship could affect me, I was in high school trying to be in as many relationships as I could. I was allowing the words that people spoke over my life to affect me because no one taught me not to fill my heart with those things. And I read James and I just feel like, doesn't it feel like it's too late? But it's not. See, I know from firsthand experience the freedom that you begin to feel when you start to fill your heart with the right things. There, there, there are five areas people and, and influences that have really changed my heart. Uh, firstly, our pastors. Our pastors have, have been instrumental in the person that I've become. And through our relationship, I've seen these things sift out of my heart and fill my heart with the right things. This church has been a blessing my professors in college, Jesus, of course, counseling, counseling has been instrumental uh, to my life, and lastly, uh, Matrix University. Can anybody who's been to Matrix University just make some noise if it's... There's this heart condition that we have, it's a systemic issue. But, but when you begin to, to fill it with the right things, you start talking differently. And here's what happens. When you start talking differently, you start wanting to avoid those who talk like you used to. Because what you realize is those are seats. And you want to avoid negative conversations. And you stop being from someone that's like, oh, how do I stop negative con- How do I stop? Do you naturally just disengage and say, hey, I don't want to gossip about that person. Hey, I... More just because of your soul care, because of your heart care, because you want to keep this thing so protected. And I'm at this point, and I think many of us are, that once you place your faith in Jesus, you get to this point where you just want to fill your heart with the good things. Not fill your heart with nonsense. Not fill your heart with, with poison and toxicity and salt, you know, I want to start planting the right seeds in my life. I want to yield the harvest that's good. You know why? Because the book of James says that if I can master my tongue, well, I can control my whole being. That I would be perfect. I want that. Does anybody want that? I want to control. I want to control my my, my speech. And James says that if I can control this, I will be perfect. But Jesus says that if I control what goes in here, then this will follow. This will follow. That my mouth is really a tail that just follows the head of my heart and what's in it. So therefore, if I keep my heart filled with the good things, I'll be able to control my whole being. And, and in this theme of speech, what James is saying of, of this should not be the case... It's sad that I read James, and I just think thousands of years he wrote this, thousands of years ago, and I just feel like humanity, it's still a human condition. like, Jesus, I've, I've spoke so many ways that have defiled your name, not to you, but to others, because they disrespected me, and I wanted them to know what it feels like, because they hurt me, and I wanted them to know what that felt like. He says this shouldn't be the case, and and I read James, I read the words of Jesus, and I'm so motivated, especially once you've started this journey. You're so motivated, but there's this problem that I've encountered. See, as much as there's this part of me that wants to do good. There's this other part that both James and Jesus allude to, this dual natured thing within us. See, James says that we are a spring that produces salty water and sweet water. We are a walking paradox And I agree with that so much. Like, it resonates with so much because I've experienced wanting to do these good things, wanting, I'm going to be the best speaker who never offends anybody. I'm not going to even joke bad or make fun of people. And I've begun that process, and and at times it feels like, though, there's this war going on inside of me. And I I don't think I'm alone here. James clearly says that this is the disposition of humanity. And I think we've all been there. Amen. I've been there. I've been there where I want to gossip about someone because they just, they, they just did something that ate me. I just I, I want to be, be jealous. Like, there's this part of me that, that actually seeks jealousy and a reason to be jealous. Like, why does Javi have the world's most amazing amazing beard, play piano, and drums? Like, who, who is gifted with that much talent? I can't clap on cue. Like, what's, what happened there? And it, it's what Paul talks about. That's why I like Paul, he gets it. James is all like, you know, I don't know about James. James is a little too tell it like it is. Like, here's the problem, our tongue is destructive, it shouldn't be the case, we can't be that way. James is a little too too to the point, I like that. I I like Paul. See, Paul gets it. Because James, James, nobody likes being told that they're salty. (laughs) Paul doesn't tell people they're salty. You know what Paul says? He understands the dilemma. He understands that as much as I want to be perfect and never say anything wrong ever again, there's this part of me that does. Like, I don't know why I do it, but I do. In Romans 7, he says this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For I don't do what I would like to do, but instead I do what I hate. Since what I do is what I don't want to do, this shows that I agree that the law is right. So I am, I am not really the one who does this thing. Rather, it is the sin that lives in me. I know that good does not live in me. That is in my human nature for even though the desire to do good, even though the desire to do good is in me, I am not able to do it. I don't do the good I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I do not want to do. If I do what I don't want to do, this means that I am no longer the one who does it. Instead, it is the sin that lives in me. So I find that this law is at work. When I want to do what is good, what is evil is the only choice. I have my inner being delights in the law of God. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what God asks of me. But I see a different law at work in my body, a law that fights against the law which my mind approves of. It makes me a prisoner, a prisoner to the law of sin which is at work in my body. Have you guys been there? Have you felt so imprisoned to your desires? To, Lord, why can't I just stop this one sin? Lord, why can't I just say good morning to this one person? Why is it so hard? I know you want me to do it, but why has this journey been so long for me? That as much as I desire to do it, there's this battle within my very nature. You know how many promises I've made God despite the Bible saying, don't make promises to God? Mm. And life feels like this, this roller coaster of highs and lows, and I can never figure out how to stay up without coming back down. And honestly, if I'm being honest, I should be honest with you guys, right? Even when I do good, even when I maintain the high, I get so good. I'm not speaking down to people who are rude. Or I'm not being passive aggressive because passive aggressive is what you learn how to do when you can't curse anymore. <laughs> like, oh no, these shoes were just three hundred dollars. These shoes that you just stepped on, that you oh you didn't invite me, us? Oh, us that's, that's okay, I only cancel my plans. That's passive aggression. That's what happens when you can't go, you filthy Philistine. Even when I'm not doing that, I start to pat myself on the back. Like, I'll be at small groups like, nah, I don't need prayer, guys. I actually stopped myself from speaking poorly to so many people today. Like, I got a list of people that I didn't curse out. Like, I got a list I could have. And I find pride filling my heart. And that's not okay. It feels like I can't win, right? Like, that's why Paul gets it. Paul gets that there's no way to control our tongues. James, I think intelligently, because I think all the scripture is in agreement, James sets up a system that we won't win. The Bible sets up a system. He says, if you can control your tongue, you'll be perfect. Check this out, though. You can't. You can't control your heart. Because there's a sin nature that, that from, from the beginning, from, from the garden, since the moment sin entered our lives, it's, it's existed In us. can't. And every time we take control, we steer the ship the wrong way. And Paul gets it because Paul says, the solution to this problem really is the solution to every problem. Is there anybody here who wants to master their tongue? Well, Paul says we have to surrender control. Stop trying to control it. So Paul says, stop trying to control your life. You ready? We're going we're to continue. We're going we're to back up. He says, I see a different law at work in my body. A law that fights against the law which my mind approves of. It makes me a prisoner to the law of sin, which is at work in my body. What an unhappy man I am. You know, people people have, you know they usually say that people are Christian because it's easier what I've found is that being a Christian is harder because now I have to try to live a life that I don't feel like I can ever live like I'm constantly not feeling good enough for God I'm constantly not feeling enough what an unhappy man I am who will rescue me from this body that is taking me to death who even as a believer, I've cried that out so many times. God, who, who, who will rescue me? And I think that the Bible has an answer. I think that the story of this entire relationship, this entire belief system, is that we were rescued. See, Paul says, thanks be to God who does this through our Lord Jesus Christ. This then is my condition. On my own, on my own, I can only serve God's law with my mind. Being perfect will always be a nice ideal if I'm doing this on my own. Speaking, that's a great idea. Speaking nicely. Speaking in a way that brings life to people and doesn't set on fire the course of other people's lives. That's that's a great idea on our own. While my, I can only serve God's law on my own with, with only my mind while my human nature serves the law. And then he goes right into chapter eight. He says, there is now no condom, condemnation, no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit, who brings us life in union with Christ, has set me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, because human nature was weak, because human nature was not enough, God did. He condemned sin in human nature by sending his own Son, who came with a nature like our own sinful nature. The Son of God came down with our own sinful nature to do away with sin God did this so that the righteous demands of the law might be fully satisfied in us who live according to the spirit and not according to human nature those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what human nature wants that's why life is this roller coaster. Because I try to do good for God according to my human nature. Human nature is so fickle. I am a living paradox. But those who live as the Spirit tells them to do have their minds controlled by what the Spirit wants. To be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. Anybody want to be perfect here? Fill your heart with Jesus. Fill your heart with Jesus. See, let Jesus be the filter to your spring. Let Jesus get rid of all the salt in your life. All that way that you... Stop worrying about cursing. Worry about Jesus. See, fill your heart with Jesus because you won't have to worry about salt water or sweet water. You'll have living water inside of you. Fill your heart with Jesus because you won't have to watch your words. See, the Bible says He was the Word of God made flesh, and you'll have the Word dwelling inside of you. Fill your heart with Jesus. Because you won't have to worry about controlling your tongue so that you can be perfect. You'll be filled with the person who was tempted and tested in every single way. And yet remain perfect. Get more of Jesus in that heart of yours. We've got to get Jesus in us. Every time I get more connected to Jesus, more plugged into God. I find this human nature guy dwindling. This war gets easier and easier to win. And it's hard because really I just forget sometimes. I get caught up and I stray away and I stop being united and I feel like the prodigal son and I remember my dad. What I remember is that I have to decrease and he has to increase. I remember that there has to be less of me and more of him. And my walk becomes different. My thoughts are different. And the way that I talk is different. And I promise that those who are close to me can tell. Like my close friends will know that I'm not connected. They'll be like, yeah, Rue, you need Jesus to get We should pray. You you okay, Let's, let's pray. They'll know. Because I can't direct my life. I can't be ruler over my life with my human nature and then control my speech at the same time and do the good. This is is too big of a war. What my mind wants to do, what my spirit knows to do, my flesh craves to do the exact opposite. So I have to surrender control and let God rescue me. Two more scriptures and I'm going to close here. Proverbs 18 says this. This is the power of the tongue, guys. This this is so crucial that we get as a church. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. You know what's crazy about a fire? Inherently it's not evil. It can actually preserve life. It, it can provide food, but it can also be used to destroy a forest. And I love that James equates the mouth to a tongue, uh, the mouth to a fire, because Paul says, "What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words." And the last scripture. get nothing else, I think this scripture fully encapsulates the heart of today's message. In Galatians 5.16 it says, what I say is this, let the Spirit direct your lives, let the Spirit direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of human nature. I have one point today. Just one, one takeaway really, and it's this. Words have the power of life and death. It is imperative that we become speakers of life. But to do that, our hearts have to change. And for that to happen, we have to allow Christ to rescue us and direct our lives. Guys, uh, for those of us who are believers, Unfortunately, there are people who under the same banner have used used this thing to destroy people, to tell them they were going to hell, to tell them that they were good for nothing, to tell them that God hates them. I'm grateful that James isn't alive to see that. So there's an imperative on us who know the gospel There are so many people whose lives have been set on fire and spoken to with only ways to destroy life. And to do that, we've got to allow Christ to rescue us. We've got to direct our lives because at the end of the day, we, we can't do this on our own. I could preach an entire me- I could have preached an entire message and it would be easy to say, you got to talk better. You can- Here's the power of what happens when you talk. But, but we've got to let lo- the Lord be the ruler of our hearts and we'll find that everything will follow everything will follow can you stand on your feet as we get ready to worship the king of kings and oh welcome him into our hearts we hope you enjoyed this podcast our mission here at christ uncensored house of worship is to love god love people and love life Kuhao is a place where our story is still being written together we can do more than we can ever do alone if this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhowcom give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.